Good morning, everyone. You can sit down. Thank you. It's so, so uh, lovely to be with you this morning. Thank you for having me. Um, visited a few times, but not on a Sunday, so it's great to see you all. Um, it is lovely to have my friend Sarah here, and um, I'm sure those of you, of you who have met her uh, will love her already. She's an incredible person, um, a wonderful friend, and um, yes, and she is Pastor Phil's wife, um, so you know, you know Phil, um, you should pray for her on that basis too. <laughs> Um, I've got a little note later in my message about uh, the whole boys. So the fact that Pastor Gary said it for me is helpful, uh, that I do have three boys living in my house and uh, they all need parenting at times. Um, But it's so lovely to be here and I do really pray that um, God will speak to you this morning as I share uh, what I feel like he's put on, on my heart for you. So the title of my message this morning is Want More Followers. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you want more followers? We live in a funny world, don't we, where followers mean something that it didn't used to mean even 10 years ago. Uh, what does it mean to be a follower? What does it mean to be, have people following you? I feel like we live in a world of influences and things, people, well, yeah, I'll get to that, things that we're supposed to follow. But let me read to you first from John chapter 8, if you want to turn your Bibles with me. And Jesus is speaking here, John chapter 8, verse 12. And he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Other translations say, he who follows me won't stumble around in the dark. You know, when we follow Jesus, we don't need to stumble around in the dark, finding our way. Have you ever got, I've had a few weird nights where, you know, you get out of bed and you can't find your bearings. You just don't know, there's not enough moonlight or, you know, ambient light, whatever it might be. And you literally, I'm at the foot of the bed, I'm at the head of the bed, where is the door, where is the bathroom? And you're feeling your way around in the dark, you know, stumbling around in the dark. That's usually when you stub your toe and it really hurts on the end of your bed. Anyone done that? Um, you know, but when we, when we follow Jesus, he says, you won't stumble around the dark. Like when you follow me, you will have the light of life. You will know where you're going. You will know what you, I, what you are called to. Um, and it also says, Jesus also says in Luke in chapter 14, he says, don't follow me without considering what it will cost you. It would be like laying the foundation of, for a new house. It would be like laying the foundation for a new house and not being able to finish it and being laughed at by your neighbours. I thought that's pretty rough neighbours. Anyone building a house at the moment or finished building a house at the moment? If it took, yep, if it took, ours took three years. We built a house, it took three years. Um, I joke that we went with the builder weeks. They should be called years because it was definitely not a short process. Um, and, but our neighbours didn't laugh at us. You know, when we're talking about laying a foundation, when it talks about considering what it means to follow Jesus, I don't know about you, but I feel like in the last little while, I realised that it is a costly thing to follow Jesus. And he says, don't follow me without considering what it will cost you. There's a weightiness, there's a costliness to following Jesus. And he says, think about it, because when you lay the foundation of your life, when you lay the foundation for your new home, and not being able to finish it is like living a life that doesn't consider what it means to follow Jesus and to follow after him with our whole heart and our whole life. To build the home or the house of our life is to consider what it will cost us to follow Jesus. Let me pray for you this morning as we, as we get into the Word. God, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your Word. I thank you, God, that that your Word is life, it is light, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you, God, that it helps us, that it strengthen, strengthens us. And I just pray, God, this morning that you... 
by your spirit. Holy Spirit, would you speak to your people this morning? I pray, help us change our hearts. Help us to see things as you see things. Help us to get your perspective on this life and how you would call us to live our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, like I said before, the word follow means a lot of different things in today's society, in today's culture. We follow sporting teams. Hey, the Crows won last night. I mean, they finished, what, 15th or something, so I won't celebrate too widely. But, you know, we follow sporting teams. We follow fashion. We follow um, – I, I did Google all the things that we can follow, like, you know, the trends and stuff. In, interior design. Anyone follow interior design trends on their Instagram? We follow news outlets. We follow all kinds of weird things on YouTube. I don't know my children. I, they've, they've figured out on, my, on our Apple TV now, rather than typing all in because that would take them forever, they can use the microphone button. And they search all kinds of bizarre things on YouTube. They search things – I looked up James's most recent ones – um, he, he does like his like nature and fishing and creatures and stuff. So these are his list of things he has searched for on YouTube. Fishing for brim in Westlakes. <laughs> it's very specific in what he searches for. Giant squids. Um, again, not quite sure. Mr. Beast eating expensive is literally what he's like spoken into the little microphone thing that comes up as a search function. So that's like some influencer YouTube guy who like eats expensive things like gold ice, I don't even know, gold ice cream, just like expensive things. Um, he also searched for uh, fishing in Port Vincent with lures like to try and catch his, I don't know, squid, I guess, Minecraft Wars. These are the weird things that you I don't know what your kids search for on YouTube. I'm getting a few nods from the parents. Excellent. That they can look for. And like there's this wealth of information out there. You can literally find anything you are looking for. You can follow anything you want to find. Um, we follow people's lives on social media. We, you know, we, when you think about the different people that we follow and, and, and allow to speak into our lives, they, might, they have no idea who we are and yet they, they influence us. We follow after their lives by what we see um, on their Instagrams and social media. The top three Insta followers or the, the people who have the most followers on Instagram um, is Cristiano Ronaldo. 409 million people follow his account. There's a lot of people. That's a lot of people following one person who really, you know, impressive but not life-changing. Um, Kylie Jenner, 315 million. Lionel Messi, 310 million. That's a lot of people following after one individual, normal, maybe not normal, above average people. There are so many web pages that are dedicated to helping people get more followers. I, I literally Googled, like, how do you, not that I care, just was interested to see what this, like, kind of what the strategies are. And these are the five things that are listed as to how you should get more followers on your social media. The first one is to build brand identity, <laughs> which basically means, you know, to, like, build what you're about, you know. So, build your brand. Who are you? What are you, what are you selling? What are you providing? So build your brand identity. The second one is to follow relevant accounts. So with your social media, you should follow other accounts that are relevant to what you're doing or to what you're um, about. Um, number three is to actively engage with followers. That is, you know, so you message, you, t you post, you share. So you actively engage with the followers uh, who, are, who are, yeah, do, uh, following you and interested in what you're doing. Number four, you post share-worthy content. <laughs> I was like, well, that's pretty good advice really anyway, isn't it? Like post things that people care about, <laughs> not, 
not what there's a there was a season where Instagram was really early and you would like post what you cooked for dinner like you you know you'd post like your your meal <laughs> and I had friends that told me that you shouldn't do that anymore so I stopped <laughs> I don't care what you had for dinner um, and number five ignore the trolls is actually one of the pieces of advice ignore the trolls the people who get on there and just write nasty stuff and you know try and make you feel bad. So I was thinking about that. I'm like, okay, so let's put that in like our context. What does it mean to build your brand identity as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus? It means to know who you are and what you're called to do. How do you build who you are? Know who you are and what you're called to do. When you follow relevant accounts, what to me that says we should fix our thoughts on what is good and lovely and pure, looking to the author and finisher or the perfecter of our faith. When we think about what we are following, relevant accounts, what are we thinking about? What are we focusing our thoughts on? Number three, when we actively engage with followers, to me that sounds like investing in the lives of those around us who we are doing life with, your friends, your family, your, the people in our, in, in our church communities. Who are you doing life with? Who are you investing into? Number four, to post share with the content. Um, and actually the point was to do that consistently, so on a regular basis. Uh, it's, uh, I thought about that in terms of us as followers of Jesus. Let everything you say when you talk, when you speak to people, let it be good and helpful so your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. How do you get more followers? These are the things that you do. And the la- this is the last one. When you ignore the trolls on social media, ignore the trolls in real life as well. <laughs> ignore them. So uh, thinking about this idea of what, we're, you know, what we are following, I was thinking about also what follows us when it comes to when, who, we, who we follow. And we'll get to following Jesus in a moment. But when we think about what we are following, we, are also, we also leave a trail behind us. What's following us? And I was thinking about the hall boys and the trail that is in my house. I was thinking I could tell, I can tell a lot about what my boys have been doing um, by just scanning my home. I can see what jocks and socks they wore that day because <laughs> they're in the bathroom or they're all over their bedroom floor. I can see that David has cleaned his glasses with the special glasses wipes that he has because none of it is in the bin. One of the, the wrappers on the bench and the, and the wipe is somewhere else. I can see that the boys play with literally all their Lego. It's all over my living room floor. They've played with all of their Lego. None of it is packed away. I can see they've eaten all of their favourite like popcorn, cookies. What else makes a big mess on my couch? I was just trying to think what it was. Garlic bread. Like there's just crumbs all over my couch. I can see what they've eaten on the couch. I can see that they've come home um, uh, from school and taken off their shoes, not in the garage as requested, but in the living room full of sand with little piles of sand scattered throughout my house. Like, just please take them off in the garage. Um, I can see that David came home from um, work for lunch because every light in my house is on. Literally every light. The study, the bedroom, the bathroom, the living room, like every room, every room. And I'm going around turning off all of the lights. You can tell a lot by the trail of someone's life. You know, when when you see what they've been doing, um, and that is a bit of what happens in my home. I want to ask you this morning, what is following you? What's following you? What trails behind you in your life? Is it chaos and dysfunction? Is it broken relationships? Is it debt or lack? Is it trouble and strife? Is it bitterness? Or what is following you? Is it joy? Is it peace? 
Is it encouragement? Is it faith? Is it kindness? Is it generosity? What is following you? What is the trail that you leave behind you? We heard from Luke this morning about the people in your world who you're believing God for, you know, the one who's wandered off, who you're believing God for. What trail are you leaving for them to follow, for them to learn about what it is to follow Jesus in your life? So I wanted to share with you this morning five things that follow you when you follow Jesus. What follows us when we follow Jesus? For those taking notes this morning, here's my first point. The first one is real life. When we follow Jesus, real life follows us. I wanted to read to you from Luke chapter 9. And Jesus is saying here in verse 23, he says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me or for my sake will save it. What an incredible, it's a challenge actually. I think we read that, I read that as a promise, but I read it as a challenge as well. That if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow after me, you do have to deny yourself. We do have to deny what we want and take up our cross daily to follow him. But the beautiful exchange that happens in that process is that we gain eternal life. We, in, in losing our life, we save it. In, he says, uh, whoever loses their life for me will save it. Another translation says, let him lead. Let him lead you. Follow after Jesus and let him lead. To follow Jesus, we really do have to give up our own way. We have to give up our own desires and our own wants. But it is the most beautiful thing that when we when we do that, when we lay down what we want, we will truly find real life in the process. Life will follow us. Real life will follow us when we follow Jesus, when we choose to follow after him with everything we have. You know, Psalm 119 and verse 31, there's this lovely prayer. Uh, I think it's in the message translation. It says, don't allow me to make a mess of my life. For I cling to your commands and follow them as closely as I can. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Don't allow me, God, what a good prayer to pray on a daily basis. Don't allow me to make a mess of today. I'm going to cling to your commands, God. Help me to follow your commands as closely as I can. And the promise that God gives us is that when we do that, life, real life will follow us. Isn't that good news this morning? Who believes that today? That life will follow us. Number two, God himself will follow us. Number two, in verse, uh, sorry, in Psalm 139, verse 5. And it's kind of a funny thing to think about that when we follow God, God follows us. But it says this, that you go before me and follow me. In other words, you go ahead of me and you follow behind me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. In the message, that same passage says, I look behind me and you're there then up ahead and you're there too. Isn't that incredible that God, he, le- he leads us, he leads us, but he's also behind us, encouraging us. It says this in that same passage, your reassuring presence coming and going. Isn't that beautiful to think that no matter where we go, when we follow Jesus, he's leading us, but he's also, he's also coming up behind us, encouraging us. It says in Isaiah 30 and verse 21, your own ears will hear him right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. You know, this picture that God would follow after us and lead us and guide us and speak to us, literally whispering in our ear, go this way, go this way, go this way, that he would follow, he would follow behind us as we follow him. So um, for those that might not know, I used to be a teacher 
and uh, I have done many, many bushwalks in my life. I taught maths and science, but I liked, I liked the outdoors, and I always kind of did them as a student, and so I kind of kept doing them as a teacher. Twice I got our groups lost, so I probably shouldn't do it. Um, once, we, uh, once we ambushed our own campsite, so literally we were, um, we were, I was with a group of girls and we decided we wanted to ambush another group and we thought we knew where they were staying that night and it wasn't too far from where we were going to be. So we're like, we got our camp set up, we, you know, we did, our, we did dinner, it was dark and um, like, because, you know, it was, it's the middle of winter, so it set sunsets at like 5 p.m. And so we had done all of our dinner and done all of those things and we're like, what are we going to do? Let's go ambush the boys. And so we, um, yeah, so we had kind of, we had our head torches. I think one of the, my assistant leader, who was our PE teacher's daughter, she had like, like a GPS kind of tracking thing, but we didn't really know how to use it. So, you know, prayed for the best. Um, anyway, so we, we go off and I mean, in hindsight, it was not my smartest of days because it's the middle of the Flinders Ranges and it's dark and we are in the, like, we had no bearings whatsoever. So off we trek. We think we're going up a hill to try and find where we think they might be camped on this landing. Anyway, we kind of got ourselves a bit disoriented and we come back to what we think is their campsite. We're in the bushes and we can see all the, like, we can see all the fly sheets and we can, it's very quiet, but we're like, they must be in their tents. And we're all on the boundary of this, of this scrub. And we're like, okay, ready? On the count of three. One, two, three, charge. We all go charging out of the, into this clearing. And I burst out laughing. And the girl's like, what's so funny? I'm like, that's my fly sheet. <laughs> that's my tent. <laughs> We've ambushed our own campsite. And so, yeah, so that was really not our greatest of moments. So we tried again. So we're like, okay, let's go find them again. This time we actually got lost, like actually got lost. And I'm like, I've got like 15 girls, year 10 girls in the middle of the Flinders Ranges in the dark at like 9.30 at night and we can't find our tents. <laughs> and in the end, I literally had to pray like, God, please help me get these girls back to our tents. We've got to sleep in the, we've got to sleep in something warm and not freeze ourselves to death out here. And in the end, thank the Lord, near our campsite was a pond that had some frogs in it and I could hear the frogs and so we're like we're just going to keep walking till we find the frogs <laughs> and so we somehow found our way back through this like all this scrub to our um to our campsite praise the Lord uh, point of my message was none of that actually I didn't plan to tell you that story don't take me bushwalking or if you do you lead and follow the map because I can't um was that when you lead, I, I just, this undermines everything I'm about to say now, I just realised because I'm useless at leading bushwalks, but when you're in daylight and you have a map in front of you and you know that you're on the track and not in the middle of the scrub, um, you actually lead from behind, you lead from the back. And so when you, you have one of your students at the front, you say, this, you're the front marker, you keep walking and, you know, make sure that you can see us behind you. Um, don't let anyone go ahead of you. And, you know, if you get too far ahead, wait for us. And I would always lead from behind because I would always know that then I'm, I'm making sure that no one's falling behind, no one's injured, no one's, you know, getting lost from the group. I would lead from the back. And that's the way that I would lead the group. And that's the way we were taught to lead the group was from behind. And I love that idea that that is what God does for us. He leads us from behind. He leads us as we follow him, but he leads us from behind, speaking to us, encouraging us, making sure that we don't get caught behind or left behind or lost along the way or injured along the way. He follows behind us. God himself will follow you. Isn't that good news this morning? Number three, goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy will follow you. I love this. And we know this, we know this verse well. Psalm 23, verse 6. It says, surely, surely, most assuredly, 
goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I want to remind you this morning, even today, all the days, every day of your life, goodness and mercy, even when it doesn't feel like it is, goodness and mercy is following after us every single day. Well, I love that word for follow, mercy, goodness and mercy shall follow me. It actually means to pursue me, to run after me, to chase me down. Isn't that good news this morning? That the goodness that, who believes that today? Come on. That goodness and mercy will pursue me, run me down, chase after me every single day of my life. And I want to remind you what that word for goodness means. It's not just good things. It's not just like, oh yeah, good things will like follow me. This is what goodness means. It means beauty, bounty, cheer, ease, favour, grace, joy, kindness, love, pleasure, prosperity, wealth. That's some goodness this morning, don't you think? That is chasing you down, that is running after you, that is following after you every day of your life. Goodness and mercy following you. Beauty, cheer, ease, kindness, pleasure, wealth, chasing you down every single day of your life, the goodness and mercy of God. You know, when I um, pray for my boys each night, that is one of the things I pray that um, over them as we, as we say goodnight, we kind of have a little bit of a routine, have a little chat and pray. And I always pray the goodness and mercy of God will follow them every single day of their life. That is my prayer for them every night. Goodness and mercy every single day will follow you. Number four. I love this one, calling and purpose. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 4. And in Matthew 4, we read Jesus inviting some of his disciples to follow. In Matthew 4, in verse 18. And Jesus, it says, was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon or Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them. He says, come. Follow me and I, sh- I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Come, follow me, he says, and I will show you how to fish for people. So they followed him straight away. I love that, that when they followed Jesus, he gave them. He said, I'm going to show you how to fish for people. I will make something of you when you follow me. I will give you a purpose and a calling. I love that. They were fishermen. Great calling, great purpose. But he says, I'm going to show you how, as you follow me, I'm going to show you what I'm calling you to do. I'm giving you a purpose. I'm giving you a calling. And I want to remind you this morning and, I, I don't, and it might just be a, a post-COVID thing we find ourselves in, but I want to remind you this morning that if you are finding it a bit of a struggle to, to figure out what that looks like in this season of your life, then, you know, if your purpose or you're or struggling to find what you're called to do, can I encourage you to follow Jesus like the disciples that they left everything immediately and they followed after him. You know, to follow Jesus in a deeper and a greater way may be just how you'll find that purpose and calling in this season. It's intentional, it's deliberate, it's consistent. The idea of really pressing in and leaning into what God is asking of you, to follow him just like the disciples did, that immediate dropping everything. God, I'm going to follow you with my heart. I'm going to trust my, my calling. I'm going to trust my purpose to you. I'm going to be intentional and deliberate and consistent in following after you, God. You know, I love this in 2 Timothy in verse uh, 9 of chapter 1. It says this, and I want to, this is an encouragement to me this morning as well. God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. I remind you that it is a holy calling, what he's asking of you. And it's not according to our works. It says, 
It says here, he's called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. It's a holy calling, but do you know what I love about that? It's not because we're holy. It's not because we're righteous. It's not because we're perfect. It's actually because he is holy and he is righteous and he is perfect. And it's not according to our own work. So I want to remind you this morning that this morning that, you know, you might think that you have done something, you might have something that is part of your life that you think has disqualified you from that calling and purpose. But I want to remind you this morning, it's not because of our work. It's not because we've done it perfectly or we've done it exactly right. It's actually because of His purpose and His grace that has been given to us in Jesus. That we are, we, we have all fallen short. We have, none of us are perfect. None of us have done it right. So I want to remind you that you might, you might think that your calling or your purpose means that it's disqualified because of a choice you've made or a thing that you ha- is in your past. But I want to remind you this morning that that has not disqualified you, that it's Jesus who qualifies you. It's been given to you by his, in His grace and it's His purpose that He's calling us to follow after. It's a holy calling. Calling and purpose will follow after you. And number five, and I love this, and we know this too, but it's a good reminder this morning, signs and wonders will follow you. In Mark 16 and verse 17 and 18, it's the Great Commission, Jesus says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new tongues. They'll be able to handle snakes and snakes with safety and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Signs and wonders will follow after us when we follow Jesus. This is part of our great commission. Jesus says, when you go out, when you go and, and, and tell the world about me, this is what will follow you. This is what will accompany you. This is what will follow will trail after you as you go about my business. And I want to remind you, I want to tell you a story actually this morning of um, my sister's friend, um, an old, old school friend of hers called Laurie-Anne. And you might actually, um, if those of you who are part of the Love Adelaide Walk may have heard Laurie-Anne share her story as part of that, um, of that event earlier, earlier this year, I believe that it was. And um, incredible story. And so Laurie-Anne uh, and her husband Gavin had a little boy um, and they were pregnant with their, with their second child, which was, which was a journey in itself in, in terms of um, uh, falling pregnant with their little girl. Um, so they have a daughter called Savannah. And this little girl, when they went to their, uh, their 20-week scan, um, it took a really long time. And at that point, they were worried. They knew kind of something was not right because it was just taking so long to scan. And, uh, and they had to have some follow-up appointments. And, and in that process, they learned that their little baby at 20 weeks um, had what they call a Blake's pouch cyst growing on her in her brain. And it's part of, and I forget all of the details, but it's part of the brain um, that there was, it would apply pressure and prevent the development of a part of her brain, which would then mean that, um, that kind of a continuum of, of complications, but most likely, you know, uh, not able to talk, not able to walk, you know, all of this... Uh, brain development limited because of where the cyst was. The cyst in itself is not actually dangerous. It's just that it prevented part of the brain developing as it should have. And so they get this terrible news and um, and, and as in today's society uh, offered to terminate their pregnancy and said, no, you know, we thought we believe in Jesus. We're not going to do that. We're going we're gonna to pray and believe that God's going to do something. And so they had to have a follow-up scan um, that we, in, the, in between their first scan and their second scan, which was more detailed, um, and having seen specialists in the process, 
David and I went to pray for Lorian and Gavin. And we prayed and we, we believed that the cyst would just be gone. You know, that we'd believe that cyst would go and that the next scan would show that cyst is gone. Happy baby, happy brain. And I, and I think that was the point where their, their faith was really challenged is that the cyst wasn't gone. The cyst was very much still there in those follow-up scans. And even though we had prayed and asked God, you know, to deal with it, it hadn't been done. And I know there were seasons in there where, I mean, Lorianne had so many, you know, family and friends all across the world praying for her and praying for the baby. But there was one time we messaged back and forth and she was just so discouraged and so, you know, just like, you know, we asked for this and it hasn't happened. And, and so I just remember writing to her and saying, I remember actually being, standing at the kitchen sink. I felt like God very clearly said to me, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. And so I, I messaged Lorianne. I said, I just believe that God's not done yet and that every time you go for a follow-up, you know, your next appointment, that we're gonna, that it's going to be better than expected report, you know, that, that it's going to be better than the doctors are, are, are anticipating or are expecting. Every time you go for a scan, that it's, it's going to be better than expected. And so we get to, I think she got to her 37 sort of weeks um, pregnant and, and really nothing had changed other than that. Every time they went for their scans, it was still looking okay. The cyst wasn't growing. The brain was still developing around it. But the cyst was still very, very much present. And, um, and I, so, we, you know, we kept praying. We kept believing that it would be, you know, that we'll just see what God would do. So... Um, their whole kind of labour journey was complicated as well. Um, but at the 37-week scan, the cyst was very much there. So they go, to, um, they go into labour. She, she has a little girl. Savannah is born. She's a beautiful little girl. And quite quickly, you know, within a couple of days, they wanted to scan her brain and see what had happened and see what the outcome would be because, they, you know, they had specialists involved in the whole process and these are all the possible things that could be wrong and these are the things that we need to follow up and... Um, and she was born at the Women's and Children's who, Lorianne says, were incredible in the process. They were incredibly supportive. Um, and so they go for their follow-up scan. And I, I'm going to cry saying it, but I remember getting this text message. I think I was, I think I was driving to school and I shouldn't have text, checked my phone, but I did. So I was at the lights. That's not illegal when you do it at the lights, right? <laughs> it's not in Modbury. I don't know what it's like in Mount Barker. Um, and so I remember reading this and it was quite a long text and it was this incredible text from Lorianne that says, praise God, our little girl is completely healed. The cyst is not, gone, is not present. The cyst is, there's no sign of the cyst. The brain formation around it is completely healthy. The doctors are, um, it, yeah, you can give God some praise for that. The doctors are amazed that there's just no sign at her brain. She's a completely healthy, completely perfect. Her brain is, it's, her brain is completely properly formed. There is literally a miracle that has taken place and I remember sitting at the lights like crying oh my oh my gosh like because you know we trusted God that whole process and she trusted God that whole process and it wasn't it wasn't the quick answer but it was a holding on of faith and a sign and a wonder did follow after them for those who believed I want to encourage you with that story this morning that you know I think we sometimes can look for the quick win and think that we've asked once and God hasn't done it but they trusted God for 17, 18 weeks of their journey, that he was still at work, that he wasn't done yet, that he was going to follow through. And he did. Signs and wonders will follow you when you follow Jesus. These are the, these are the stories that I love to hear where we see that God does do what he promises he will do when we, when we choose to follow him. So my question for you this morning is, do you want more followers? Do you want more followers? This is what is following you as you follow Jesus. Real life, God himself, goodness and mercy, purpose and calling, signs and wonders. Is that good news for us this morning? These are the things that will follow after us, that will trail behind us as we follow after Jesus. And so I, I don't know whether the band can come or um, our keyboard player this morning. Thank you. Um, but I'd love to um, give you a, 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 
a thing to think about this morning for those who, of you who are in the room. When we choose to follow him, you know, he talks about in Deuteronomy that God has set before us life and death, blessing and cursing. And he says, oh, that you would choose life, choose to follow the way to eternal life, choose to follow me, choose the way of life, choose the way of blessing, choose to follow me and choose life. And in doing so, exchange your life for eternal life with him. That beautiful exchange of of laying down our lives, of giving our lives to him. And allowing Him to lead us and in doing so lead us into eternity this morning. I'd love you to stand to your feet with me and, and close your eyes as I, as I pray for you today. Just with every eye closed and every head bowed. God, I thank you for every single person in the room this morning. And I just pray, God, even now, would you speak to hearts? Would you help us to choose you, to choose life, to choose blessing, to choose to follow after you? you're in the room this morning and you feel like you need to make that decision to follow after Jesus, to choose him for the first time or to to choose him afresh, I would love to give you that chance to do that today. The best choice you'll ever make to follow after Jesus. And so while no one is looking around, while eyes are closed and heads are bowed, if that's you this morning and you know that you want to make that decision to choose to follow Jesus, maybe you need to make a, a decision to do that today afresh or for the first time love to give you that opportunity this morning, a call to choose life today. If that's you, you can just make eye contact with me and give me a little wave so I know who I'm praying for today. If there's anyone here this morning who knows you'd like to do that and make that decision today to choose to follow Jesus with your whole life. Give me a wave if you want to make that decision today, just so I can see your hand. Just while we're in this moment, why don't you lift your hands? Just as a sign of surrender to God. And maybe something I have said this morning, you feel like, do you know what? I really, I do, I do want to believe for more signs and wonders to follow me. Or I do want to walk in the goodness and mercy of God afresh. Or I, you know, I do want to really exchange my life for His real life. Or maybe you, maybe you just need a reminder that God Himself is following after you and leading you and guiding you and trusting that process. Maybe this morning you're needing to hear from God afresh what your purpose and your calling is in this season of your life, whatever that might be. So let me pray for you this morning. Why don't you lift your hands? Why don't you close your eyes? God, I thank you for your people today. I pray, God, whatever ever people need from you this morning, whatever that might be, I pray, God, would you speak? By your Holy Spirit, would you speak? Would you help us? I pray, God, if there's a, a fresh sense of purpose, a fresh sense of calling for those who maybe are a little bit lacking vision in this season. I pray, God, for people who are really believing you for that signs and wonders would follow them. I pray, God, would you speak to them? I pray, God, would you gift them with your, with your gifts of the Spirit that, God, they would have a fresh sense of maybe prophetic gifting or words of knowledge or ability to pray for people and see miracles happen or I pray, God, that you would ignite a fire in people to use those gifts you have given them to bring them to bring them afresh into their life, into their everyday, for their family, for their workplace. I pray, God, give us courage and boldness to step out in those things and to have faith for those things. For the people in our world, I pray, God, that you would help us to reach our community with signs and wonders that would follow us as we follow you. 
In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, for blessing, for boldness, for courage, for a fresh anointing for those things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said together, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, Pastor Gary.